You're listening to the Louisiana Literature Podcast. I'm Pike Malinowski. Do you ever get tired of being yourself? The young British-Palestinian writer Isabella Hamad does. I have to be myself all day long. I don't want to write about myself. <laughs> Instead, she decided to write her praise debut novel about Ottoman Palestine through the eyes of a character who in many ways resembles her own great-grandfather. Mithat is actually based, uh, well, I'm inspired by the life of my great-grandfather, who's also called Mithat. And I'd heard stories about him since I was young and um, thought it would be interesting to look at this period of Palestinian history through the eyes of this man who became known as the Parisian in Nablus. In this interview, recorded at Louisiana Museum in 2019, Isabella Hamad talks about addressing current political issues through the lens of history and the force of nostalgia. I'm Isabella Hamad and I'm the author of The Parisian, which is my first novel um, and it follows the life of a man called Midhat Kamal from Nablus in Ottoman Palestine, who goes to France during the First World War. And when he returns to Palestine, it's under British rule. It follows his, his life during that period. Um, so while Mithat is in France, uh, he's studying medicine, he falls in love with France and with a French woman. And when he goes back to Palestine, the region is um, undergoing enormous change. And we watch Mithat struggling with the demands of his, um, his family and his community, while also harboring this longing for France, which he has been sort of rejected by. Um, and I was interested in what it would, would have been like to be a person in love with France at this time when uh, Britain and France have carved up the Middle East um, and are, are ruling it basically as colonial powers. In terms of the period, I was interested in this period of Palestinian history in particular because I didn't know that much about it. Um, I grew up, um, I mean, as though Palestinian history began in 1948. Um, so I wanted to write about the time before the Nakba. Um, and to look at what the fabric of Palestinian society was like then. I was really interested in the period of the 1930s, that's when certain um, symbols of, of um, solidarity with Palestinians or kind of Palestinian national struggle became cemented. So things like the kofiya, um, things like uh, the embroidery, which until then had been solely uh, items worn by the peasantry and after that they became, because the peasants were, were leading this, this revolt against the British, uh, this uprising, they, they, they acquired um, national significance and that, those are the items that are sort of well known I think visually people recognise the, um, you know, the black and white kofiya or the, or the, you know, the red thobes and so on. Um, so I was interested in what, I mean I was really interested in the kind of class struggle and the kind of uh, the um, development of a class consciousness within Palestinian society really fascinates me and I was interested in looking at that in particular. I, I, while I was writing I wasn't consciously trying to um, um, you know like refer to things that are happening today but I think it's inevitable that things I'm thinking about today will make their way in one, one way or another and you can sort of see that in the, my, my interests like in the women's movement or women's rights um, um, obviously in um, struggle for self-determination um, is still ongoing so that's in there um, and even I guess the premise of writing in the first place is inspired by what's happening now um, but obviously things to do with borders things to do with migration things to do with with racism all of that's um, 
in the novel, and I don't think that's anachronistic, but I, I guess that, you know, you never read a historical novel um, or, or a novel set in the past without your context for the present. And um, it's a novel that it is also about now. Um, and, uh, you know, even saying, oh, it's set before the Nakba, but it's not, you know, it's, a, it's also about the Nakba because, you know, it's coming as a reader. So that, that the, the book uh, engages with, with that foreknowledge. It's a kind of dramatic irony that the reader knows what's going to happen. But that, so I, d I tried to delimit the narrative to um, what would have been on the minds of or um, uh, concerned the people of Nablus, and that that enabled me to um, demarcate the boundaries of what I would write about. Otherwise, you could write endlessly, um, and so that's why certain maybe you know certain world events get some attention and certain others don't, um, because I was thinking about what would Mitat be thinking about or what would. Um, what would come down through oral stories, um, but I, but I, I mean at the same time that I say that I'm also very conscious that I'm writing about a period of Palestinian history that's not widely known or uh, written about in fiction in English. Um, so and I'm very happy to to contribute a text that uh, that covers that ground. Yeah, I um, I actually don't think I am a nostalgic person. I think I am aware of like feelings of nostalgia and then I'm always interrogating them. I sort of will never let anything <laughs> um, uh, lie uninterrogated in myself. But I think it's an interesting force and I think that there is nostalgia for this period, you know, like uh, the images, particularly the photographs, images of, um, of British Mandate Palestine um, or the Levant in general in that period. And that nostalgia is quite... Uh, interesting and obviously that's partly what contributed perhaps to my impression as a young person that this was a sort of unpolitical time when actually it was full of politics it was about struggle against colonialism that was really when it was uh, when it was beginning after the um, after the Ottoman Empire was broken up um, but it has a real force I think also it's um, it's an important part of um, um, of the narrative um, it has a function. Um, nostalgia is very generalising, that's the other thing, and it doesn't remember particulars. And I found that was something that's quite interesting and difficult about interviewing elderly people about the past or their childhoods, is that some, some people have an amazing memory for particulars. My grandmother is one of them. She can remember what she was wearing on a certain day. She can remember how much she paid for something <laughs> in 1963 or whatever. Um, but, a, but a lot of people will divert to gener generalities or to the same images that are kind of general images. Um, and uh, I think I found that frustrating at first, um, but, uh, but it also, it, it's, it's perfectly understandable as well that you would uh, divert to to generalisms rather than remember particular things you've lost. I feel it's quite a serious and difficult endeavour to to inhabit, to make this sort of leap for myself into the mind of this man. That was sort of the whole project, was to inhabit the mind of this man in this period, and that seems like a... Um, I think it would have been easy to be ironical. I think it would have maybe been easier. Because the stories I heard about Mithat were funny stories, it would have been, it would have been maybe easy to tell a tell a satirical, light story that gestured at seriousness in an oblique way. That's the alternative text, perhaps. Um, but I think that would have been too easy. I think the, the bigger challenge is to is the act of sympathy, to actually um, draw a map of his mind and think about why he felt a certain way um, and to feel it with him. It's really hard to inhabit the mind of another or to adopt the consciousness of a 
character is very different from you um and sometimes i can't do it i think i um it requires a certain blankness or a certain kind of like a way in which you can put yourself aside or or put ego aside and obviously you use the material of your own life it's not that you're uh completely leaving your body you know, like you you use your emotional experience use the literal experience use experience of others you know um to access um imaginatively another subjectivity um but i guess that's what really appeals to me about the novel as a form is that you that it that it allows for this kind of leap um and that's that's the challenge that i love i i, I don't think i'd like to write about myself <laughs> why not I have to be myself all day long. I don't want to write about myself. <laughs> I think, uh, um, I mean, I see the, um, it's just a different way of writing and it's a different, it has different joys and, but I prefer the challenge of writing about others. Isabella Hamad visited the Louisiana Literature Festival in 2019 where she was interviewed by Katrine Chemerinsky. The interview was produced and edited by Roxanne Bagashirin-Lergesen. Original music for this podcast is made by Bob Pounding. Associate producer is Esther Kongstel. You can watch and listen to hundreds of other interviews with great writers and artists from all over the world at the Louisiana Channel. That's channel.louisiana.dk. I'm Pike Melinowski. Thanks for listening.